even though I would really like to cancel my subscription to 2021, that's not possible. Instead, I will be recording an episode about the past week's events later on this month. But quite honestly, I need a few more weeks to process what the hell just happened. That said, there's nothing more American than focusing on business while your country is going up in flames and fighting coups, recession, and a global pandemic. <sighs> Okie dokie. It's the beginning of the new business year, and if you're like me, you've spent a significant amount of time reviewing what did and didn't work in your business during the previous year. While most business folks anticipate some volatility and uncertainty into their businesses, pandemics, recessions, and would-be coups really aren't on the list. Despite not being able to write books from March through the end of last year, not hosting my Money on the Mountain event, and not publishing my course, not really, I did like a tiny little beta launch and changed my course around, I actually made more money in 2020. What I learned from this was that I'd been right about making the decision to focus on diversifying my income a couple of years before. In this podcast episode, I would like to talk about setting financial goals for your business in 2021. There were a lot of opportunities and pitfalls to watch out for. Listen on. If you're paralyzed by perfection in your business, do make sure that you connect with my Do It Ugly toolkit today. If you're needing some simple tools and suggestions to get you unstuck and start it moving towards done, definitely grab that Do It Ugly toolkit. You can go to the show notes, which are at michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash business financial goals. times in my business was a couple of years ago. I was just so mentally tired. I even called my realtor and had and had her draw up papers to put my tiny place on the market. I had her come over, look at everything, and I was just like, I I might sell this place. Like I'm just tired. The thing is, I had purchased my place with zero down, which I don't I don't recommend, but it worked out. Um, and so I knew that if I sold my place, I would leave with about $125,000 after the sale. And so that was something I looked at very seriously. But then I found myself thinking that that wasn't the right decision for me. In fact, I felt like, you know, I was just going through this period of time where I felt like going into business was a mistake as well. And so I just thought, well, maybe I should just sell my property and get the hell out of here and do something different. But then I decided to back off on that decision because of the the, the weirdest thing. I just, I don't want to deal with people coming through because when you sell a property, people have to come into your home. And I knew that I just didn't want to deal with that at that time. Like I was already stressed out and then have a whole bunch of strangers in my, my home, which needed work. And I just felt like that, that wasn't going to work. So I backed off instead of selling my place, getting a hundred grand plus I decided to, and that was after taxes, by the way, I decided to just get back to work. That was a hard, hard month of just going back and forth on that 
that decision, by the way. I bring this up because for many entrepreneurs, there is a breaking point or two or three in the course of doing business and being in business where you just sit there and think, why in the hell am I doing this to myself? And that was really my moment. I was so frustrated, but because I had this crazy idea that I needed to diversify my income, I decided to really begin focusing on that. And I started in 2018. I stalled out a little bit, but in 2020, I would be so freaking glad that I focused on income diversification within the the framework of my business. Because what happened in 2020, we had a global pandemic and no one could leave their houses unless you lived in Florida. So I want to talk about how you can think about your financial goals specific to your business and kind of the thought process that I use to think about mine moving forward. So financial goal number one would be what what do you want to earn? Asking yourself that question. So spend some time really looking at your cash flow. What is actually making you money in your business? What isn't? What are you willing to zero in on and focus on scaling over time? Is it possible to scale your most lucrative income streams? And in fact, even though I just finished working on the notes for this episode, I just realized that I didn't explicitly talk about scale. And by that, what I mean is, are there things that you can do within your business that will grow your income significantly without you having to put in more hours? So something like creating a subscription model, which I'll talk about later in the show. For me also, after looking at the different revenue streams, I also figured out what what's the annual income that I really want for myself. And then I set up systems to help me measure my earnings goals. Here are some of the tools that I use now for my business, uh, for the, the money side. Xero, which is an accounting software, a separate business account for my earnings, and a simple Google Doc to keep track of different projects and things like that, like one-off earnings, coaching, that kind of thing. Then I identified my revenue streams, which is what I recommend for you. Mine are the following ebooks, nonfiction and fiction, course sales, freelance writing, coaching events, uh, which could be a webinar or an in-person event such as Money on the Mountain Retreat, which is a financial retreat for women, affiliate marketing, sponsorships, ads, and I actually do have a part-time position at a podcasting organization here in Denver as a community manager. So if you're familiar with Nick True, he's the community manager for FinCon or with Mindy, who is, I cannot believe I just brain farted on her last name. (laughs) Mindy Jensen, who is the uh, community manager for Bigger Pockets. These are fun positions to have because you get to meet people and spend time with them and really help grow a community space. And I said yes to that because right now we can't go anywhere or really do anything again, unless you're in Florida. And I knew that I would be here in Denver and not traveling for an extended period of time. And so that was a really good addition to what I do. By the way, I had the time because I had spent so much time kind of simplifying certain aspects of my business and things got easier. So I found that I had free time on my hands. And so I added that position. Most of what I'm focusing on now is attracting people to my passive income products in particular. Again, I find, I'm finding that much easier to do than before because all of my small like wins have really built 
my confidence in my business over time. So financial goal number two is work the numbers. I'm in a private group of high earning six figure freelancers. In fact, I'm one of, there's about 30 people in that group. Not all of the people work as freelancers 100% of the time. It might be a significant portion of their business or a percentage of their business. But it's really interesting being a part of that group because I gained a lot of insight into the back end of their businesses. And I'm bringing this up because what I learned might surprise you. So if you are someone who is a freelancer, whether it is freelance writing or copywriting, that kind of thing, this is something that might be of interest to you. So they decided to do a survey within the group so that we all had a an idea of what the back end of their businesses looked like. Like what was it that they were doing to make the income that they were earning? And so questions such as how much were they getting paid on average per word per project? Again, this is freelance writing. How many hours per week per week they were spending on working on writing their content? How many clients they had on average? What their goals were for the year? And this is what I learned from the survey. I am not gonna expose who the people are, their names, none of that. But I do think this very general information is good for you guys to know in case you're a freelance writer. The average per word per project for those freelancers was around 40 cents per word. They're getting paid around $300 at the low end for a 1,000 word article and up. So there's some writers in that group who are getting like $1,200 for the same word project. But it was interesting because they made the point that sometimes it's good to take a lower paying, easier gig that pays consistently over time, like an anchor client. So it's easy for them to knock out projects for that client, builds up their portfolio, and then it helps them to attract the higher paying projects. So that was something to to learn from them. They actually don't pitch that much anymore. These are people who are very well established in their businesses. Sorry about the chimes. I'm getting random notifications actually from meetup.com and every time an organizer updates <laughs> their freaking events, it chimes like that. Sorry. Anyway, these people are so established that they don't pitch that much. And in fact, the people who who said that they were pitching were pitching maybe two to four times a month. So what I learned from that is uh, once you establish establish yourself in a space, people come to you. And so that means on the, the flip side that you make it easy for people to come to you as a freelancer or as a copywriter or as a business coach. You don't want people having to guess about what you do. They work on about five to 10 projects a week and they're pretty quick a lot of them spent about 15 to 40 hours a week on their work. This depended on their work style and their lives. So some of them have kids, some of them do not. Some people are slower just in general, like they take a slower pace. Other people just knock things out. I find that for me, I actually, my freelance writing, I'm much faster than before. I'm like very fast. And so most of my projects take an hour to two hours to do. And then there's the follow-up on the back end, depending on who the client is. They also work with about 12 to 20 clients on average per year. And that's interesting because that gives you an idea of 
how many organizations or individuals or editors that they're having to facilitate relationships with and connect with over time. So that was interesting for me to see. One of the things though, that I want you to leave from that piece of information and this whole like work the numbers is they know all of their numbers, how long it takes for them to do a project, how much they get paid per hour. And they actually, most of them set a $300 per hour minimum. So they want to earn at least $300 an hour. So that helps them figure out what they want to do. So if you're getting pitched a project that's $250 an hour, or rather $250, and it only takes you an hour to do it, that's something to think about. The other thing is they really focus on building anchor clients in their business. And these are people with ongoing projects that pay monthly um, and so that's just something to think about. By the way, my freelance clients, I love them, love them, love them. There was a period of, period of time several years ago when I really hated freelance writing. And it was because I didn't really have a choice of the clients that I had, or I, I felt that way. And I would keep clients that were a pain in my booty. And it was just, uh, it was just painful. And it was weird because they tended to be the lower paying clients. And, and I don't know what that was all about. There was, I don't know if it was like a lack of respect or I don't know what it was, but uh, it was interesting how the more I get paid from these clients, the, the more they, they respect me as a professional. And that was something to know. So basically spend time working your numbers and know what you want them to be and what they should be and what's really happening. Financial goal number three is to budget your benefits. This is hard to do, but it's really important. Uh, you're budgeting your benefits as well as other important line items. So if you're working for yourself or new to entrepreneurship, this is actually one of the most difficult things that you're going to do as you build your business income. But here are some of the line items that you really need to consider, focus on, and, and build into your, your budget. Health insurance. Now, Currently, I actually get health insurance through my community manager position. It is very expensive, by the way. But I every single thing that I can get done this year, I'm getting done because it's it's good insurance. Um, dental insurance, I have a different policy for that. I pay 50 bucks a month for my dental insurance. And typically I go every six months to get my teeth cleaned, whitened, which is driving me crazy. I really want my teeth whitened right now as well as cleaned, but it's a pandemic. And so I've been nervous about going to the dentist. And so I will be going again, probably March. And then, uh, you know, getting back into my every six, six months, uh, system. Vacation time and sick leave, this is huge. I personally prefer to work a 10-month year, which means I work really hard from January until about the first or second week of November, and then I'm done. And so what that means is I have to earn more throughout the rest of the year to, to allow me to afford that time off during those two months of November and December. Also, you just have to build in vacation time and sick leave. So you have to have that money set aside so that if you, I mean, again, we're in a pandemic. What if God forbid I get sick with COVID? I need to have money coming in so that I can even manage that. That is something to think about. So you have to think about that in terms of your earnings and setting money aside. Retirement. One day you're going to not want to work at all. And so um, really focusing on that. If you have not started on your retire retirement savings, please do not be mad at yourself. Just get started now. Um, there's tons of resources where you can do that. 
emergencies. You must set money aside for that. If you haven't, now is that time to, to set up a system for that. Investments, just general investments. Professional development, such as attending events, coaching and courses, fun, and of course, taxes. <laughs> taxes, because it sounded like I said Texas. And this year I'm actually using a new tool, a digital tool called Cube, which is actually a digital envelope system app that integrates with an actual debit card and bank account. Um, so basically you use your bank account to siphon off money into these different cubes or envelopes, if you will. And then there's a debit card that's hooked up to the account and you can activate the, the, the envelope that you'd like to use and spend from that envelope. So say for example, I have a fun envelope and I have $500 in there. I just activate the fun envelope and my debit card is, is uh, understands that I'm spending from the fun envelope and that's it. So it's just a really interesting tool. I'll let you guys know how it works over time. I'm going to use it for a while before I write up a blog post or do a podcast about the experience, but I, I'm actually very excited about it. And so, and there's no affiliate program or anything like this. This is a new, a new app. And I think they're still kind of in beta and about to launch. I'll keep you posted. Here are seven lessons, by the way, that I've learned in the past five years about just myself and just being an entrepreneur. And one thing I realized is that I needed to spend a lot more time working my numbers. This, this is a huge thing. I just really did. That clarity really helped me focus more on taking action throughout the year. So lesson number one is passive income changes the energy of your business. Once I began regularly earning passive income through eBooks, courses, affiliates, I was just able to make different choices in my business. I could say no to projects and clients that just didn't serve me well. Spend more time or spend some time really figuring out how to build passive income into your business. It might take a while to build up a significant noticeable amount, but say for example, you bring in $500 a month, maybe that money could be allocated towards Facebook ads or an emergency fund or your professional development, whatever it is that you would like to do or treats. Think about it. What's your minimum? This is this is lesson number two. You need to figure out what your minimum amount of money per month and earnings has to be, like what you absolutely have to earn as a minimum amount of money after taxes. And this basically is cash flow. This was hard because if you're working for yourself, you're not quite sure when your cash is gonna flow in, which goes back to the whole emphasis on building in passive income where you, you have some predictable predictability in when that income is coming in. And so yeah, cash flow is the hardest thing I've ever worked on. And yeah, it was hard. By the way, work with a CPA that you like. I worked with a CPA named Michelle when I first started, but she was really scary. And I was really uncomfortable working with her because I was already intimidated about being in business. And working with her made it worse and I fell off the map with her and that was a mistake. So I'm actually in the process of finding a new CPA, but I feel a lot more comfortable asserting what's going to work well for me and who isn't and what kind of personality I need to work with. And I think part of the reason why Michelle didn't work out, besides the fact that she was legitimately kind of scary, is that um, 
I had some financial shame around my earnings and just what was going on financially in general. And so I always kind of felt at the back of my mind that she was like low key judging me, whether she was or wasn't, I don't know, but that was an issue. And also make sure you do what you can to create a buffer in your finances for dips in income because that will happen. Track your income. This is lesson number three, I think. <laughs> I will admit that there were just some years I did a crap job at doing this and that was a huge mistake. So track, track, track your income. This is why I'm loving Zero because it, it's helping me really keep track of expenses and allocating that and then just having everything all nice and tidy and all set so that I can do what I need to do and just I can look at things quickly. And this is different than using like personal capital, which is looking at your personal financial picture. You really need something that's specific to your business, like Xero or QuickBooks. If you're a person who's really able to do an Excel spreadsheet and you're organized, great. But I'm all about using technology. Uh, Gen X Live, you know, as a Gen Xer, it's funny how much we love tech as well as analog. But anyway, my point is, make your life easier and you and find tools that'll help you get to the information quicker. Always give yourself a raise. I think this is lesson number four. And a raise could look like the following. It could be setting up a minimum earnings per project. So maybe one year you're like, wow, I'm making a hundred dollars a project. This is awesome. And then at the, the beginning of the next year, you're like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double that. I'm going to make $200 minimum per project. So that could be what you do. Pitching new projects that pay more. So again, if you're in the freelancing space as a copywriter, ghostwriter, freelance writer, whatever it is, you, you just, you choose who you reach out to and you choose what you say yes to or no to. And you could just be like, um, I'm pitching for new clients in your mind. And this is the minimum, minimum that they need to pay me. Boom. Um, requesting an increase in your rates after the, the, the new year begins. So you could reach out to your clients, prove, you know, kind of make a case as to why you are a good, why you are deserving of a raise basically. But if you do that, be prepared for them to say no or yes. <laughs> Create new offerings within your business. It could be a business package. It could be several different packages of services or tools or whatever that you offer to your clientele. Avoid hourly work. So as entrepreneurs, especially digital entrepreneurs who I focus on, um, I want you to avoid hourly work. By the way, there is nothing wrong with hourly work. However, in entrepreneurship, you're really looking to maximize time and emphasize your expertise. The hourly model really makes it difficult for entrepreneurs to do that because Say, for example, you're a virtual assistant, you run a virtual assistant business, maybe you're on retainer and you're able to get everything done that you need to get done for your clients. And then you work with other clients once you're done with client number one. If you're nickel and dimed on the time, you might have a client who's like, well, I need to have you tell me what you did for 14 hours versus thank you for providing $500 worth of work this month and I'm happy with your results. So you just, I really strongly uh, encourage you to avoid hourly work because I think it does diminish your expertise uh, within the context of being an entrepreneur online. 
Again, raise your rates for your products, services, projects. That's something that I've just gone through with my course. I felt that it was way under, I was undercharging for the value. And especially after I, I relaunched it last year, I found that I was actually resenting um, the fact that the price was so low uh, for the service and the resources that were being provided. So I had to change it and raise the, raise the rates. I'm much happier now with, with how much it costs. And so much, much better. Networking and allyship. This is actually huge, 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 huge. You must focus on this aspect of building your business. This is probably the number one thing you should be focusing on in my view when it comes to building your income. There are closed Facebook groups like the one that I mentioned with the freelancers that I belong to. You could become a part of a mastermind group. I've actually participated in mastermind groups since 2016. They have actually really been a key part of growing my personal business. Currently, I belong to three. It's not a big deal because one is a Facebook group so we can pop in and out throughout you know, the week, the day, whatever, it's, it's very low key and people will just drop information in there. You can, um, ask questions, you get feedback. And so it's super chill. All of the groups, all the mastermind communities that I'm in are free by the way, and have always been free. Another mastermind that I'm in, I've been in for years actually. And it is, it's a wonderful group, but uh, and it's small. It's a small group of us, uh, but they're like family now, which is part of the reason why I'm in these other two groups, because we've, it, I felt like it was time to have new entrepreneurs to me or new entrepreneurs who I know um, that I would like to collaborate with or talk to in a different way. And so one of those masterminds is with um, women of color here in Denver who are in the online entrepreneurship space. They're friends of mine. Um, so it's really awesome to be connected with people who are from my actual neck of the woods. One of the things that's kind of interesting that I, I, I found myself getting a little frustrated with was everything was always East Coast. And I'm like, I'm not East Coast, I'm from the West and not West Coast, but from the West, like Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, kind of vibe, there's a different vibe. And um, being with entrepreneur, entrepreneurs of color from my town, it's it's just different. It's wonderful. So I'm really excited about that. And um, they've been doing some cool things and they're very spicy. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And then the third uh, mastermind, I feel like, no, yeah, that was all three. And so these mastermind groups, basically we talk about business building tips, useful tools, tools, excuse me, business strategy, opportunities, um, who to work with and who not to work with, best practice tips, and more. The next lesson I learned was to really flesh out what my client buying journey is. Like, what's their spending experience with me? What's their experience as a client with me? What does that look like? And so I thought about um, how do I make this happen where maybe they connected with me one or two years ago and they're still connected with me now. Kind of like Target <laughs> or um, I don't even know my favorite. I don't, I don't even know, like Target basically. Like I, I keep going back for more. I love Target. Why? Because they have so many different things to offer me. And so I was like in my business, what does that look like? So that is blog, podcast, or social media content, which you can engage in for free podcast interviews and other interviews where I share my ex 
expertise that's free for you guys. Affiliates. Um, I do affiliate marketing and I personally focus on win-win affiliate relationships. How can I serve my audience in a way that's helpful to them? My favorite, one of my favorite affiliates is Ibotta, which is a app a grocery or a uh, kind of a retail savings app that is headquartered here in Denver, Colorado. I've actually met the CEO several times. Nice guy, huge company, by the way, like situated in downtown Denver. And so I love that app because it's win-win. If someone signs up uh, to use the app using my affiliate link, they get, and then they redeem their first savings because it's a savings app. They get $10 towards their first uh, $20 payout. I get five, like that's win-win. So really think about how can you find, a, or I really thought about how I could find affiliates that could do that for my, my people. Ebooks, you know, I love my ebooks. I love them, love them, love them. I love them, love them, love them. So my ebooks are between $2.99 and $19.99. I actually have a couple books that I'm raising that the price to that because of the value of the, the information in those books. And these are specifically my nonfiction books that I'm talking about. I do write fiction books as well. And those range between uh, those are $3.99 for those books. That's just the price point I like for those books. Webinars, those can be free or low cost experiences. Um, as a part of my business funnel, they can go towards a product that is sold after the webinar or you pay to participate in the webinar. One-on-one -on -one coaching in 2020, like I've been coaching people on and off in the last couple of years, but in 2020 in particular, I had a lot of people reach out to me for coaching um, advice and I was testing it out. And what I decided to do was let the client set the price. And this is how I did it. I said to them, pay what they felt the session was worth. And um, typically we would speak for an hour and it averaged out. I didn't, you know, work with tons of people, but it averaged out to be about $200 to $600. So yeah, <laughs> for an hour of work where I am pouring myself into that coaching experience and really making sure that people leave with the information that they need for the transformation this toll coach speak right there that they're looking for, right? Um, so if you're nervous about coaching, that might be a way for you to start um, getting into that is let them set the price by letting them figure out the value. And part of the reason why I did that too was so a lot of these people were also coaching and I felt like it was a good exercise for them to consider value. Like if they were to offer the same thing, what would, what would they want to be paid? So yeah, it was a little Jedi mind trick, course sales. So students can purchase a lifetime of the course option of make money with eBooks, or they can currently subscribe to the course. This is new. This is something I tested out last year, but something I'm going to be pushing really hard in 2021. And I decided to add the subscription versus a payment plan. And the reason why is I felt like I just wanted more people to have access to the course. But again, I felt like the course needed to be, it needed to cost more, which is why I raised the, the flat rate. But you have two options. So you could either pay $67 a month for the subscription, or you could pay $645 one time for the course and you have it for the lifetime of the course. I may also develop some mini courses throughout the year ranging between $47 to $97. So that's something to know. I freelance write. My projects are usually 40 cents to a dollar a word. 
and I'm pretty fast and I only work with editors that I like. I really, really enjoy the editors that I work with. They're so sweet. They're so nice. They're people that I've known um, or connected with on and off for the last couple of years. And so they reach out to me and they're, and they're like, hey, we've got projects. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do them. Um, and that's been a huge change to have them come to me, but also just I put time into developing um, good relationships. And so what I would say is even if you're pissed off at an editor or you're frustrated or whatever, always leave on good terms. Always, always, always just, just, just focus on good energy so that people have a good experience with you if possible. All the editors I worked with now, I work with now, I've always had good experience with, but my goal over time has always been, maybe I'm the worst fit for you. And I just give you an out and you're like, bye, Michelle. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> and then finally, I do have a high-end coaching product that I'm rolling out this year called the Branding Lab. The coup kind of threw me off because I was planning on starting the rollout for that last week. And then things just went kind of crazy. No matter, it'll happen. So there's that. There are two other lessons that I've learned in terms of kind of your financial goals for your business. One is you really need to focus on your money mindset. I never realized how much my money mindset would negatively affect my business. So for a lot of years, my money mindset kind of depressed my business earnings. And the reason why was because I was cleaning up a massive financial mess. And part of that cleanup was just dealing with my own personal beliefs about money in general. And those beliefs included whether or not I deserve to earn more and imposter syndrome. Like why, why, why would anyone pay me what I'm saying I'm worth? And that I think is something that a lot of entrepreneurs always have to work through. And I had to really spend a lot of time working through um, that headspace. That is something that I have to work on every single day because I'm human. And I have to be careful because if I don't pay attention to that, I can backslide into negative thoughts. So I have to constantly focus on my mindset. And then finally, don't assume that people know what you sell. So if they're engaging with you on social media and that kind of thing, you need to be very clear about what you're selling and the piece of content that you're putting out there. People are selling multiple things. And so that is why it's so important to get like the title of your podcast super clear uh, of the specific episode. Or if you have a blog post that you're writing, that it's super clear what it's about. Or if you're doing a piece of social media content, it's super clear what it's about. So people don't have to guess. And I think that that's something that I learned the hard way. Like if people don't understand what you're doing in the piece of content that, that you're sharing, you can't get them to take an action. And so that was something really interesting for me to learn. Hopefully this episode has been helpful to you as you work on your business financial goals. I did want to be honest, not only about what I've learned along the way, but just the mistakes that I've made. I've made so many mistakes. I wish you well, good luck and make that money.